the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Realized after driving to work today that I'm a little under the weather. Um, clammy. That's not good. Never sounds sexy, is it? I'll stick around and I'll make this work as long as I can. Uh, trying to get you to retirement is my goal. Um, founders of Instagram are leaving Facebook. That's a big negative for Facebook. Is it a buying opportunity? So far, dips have been buying opportunities. Two co-founders of Facebook's popular Instagram app are stepping down. A move marketing... Uh, the, the, the turmoil right now that's going on at the social network giant Facebook when two founders leave at the same time from Instagram owned by Facebook, it tells you something's up. I could see one of them quitting and saying, you know what? I'm worth a lot of money. I'm going to go spend some of it. I could see that, but both quitting at the same time and you know, saying, I wanna get, we want to get back to our creative roots. We want to explore our curiosity and creativity again. That's kind of a damning statement of Facebook, isn't it? Not good times to be a big uh, tech company right now. People are quitting you. In a world where we say, I can't quit you, people are quitting them. Instagram has become a key cog in the Facebook empire. It must be slightly embarrassing that they sold the company. Instagram sold the company to Facebook. Um, for $1 billion, where today it would probably be worth about $12 billion plus. So tension between the direction of Instagram within Facebook's orbit, as you know, Facebook team started to exert their control. I get it. Um, I get walking out of the machinery. I do, I do, I do. So other big stories of note today, and they're out there. Nothing's uh, too... Frosty as far as uh, bad news goes. There's a little bit more tension with China as the Chinese have blocked an American ship, a warship, from entering into the Taiwan area. It's never good. I'm not going to say it's bad, but it's tension. So there's trade fear talk out there. That's for sure. Facebook is flopping. CenturyLink slides. Intel is dipping can't all be Nike and just do it. Nike, by the way, reported earnings after the close. Um, we do get a lot of Federal Reserve this week. But uh, Facebook down 2.2% after the co-founders of Instagram left the company. Elvis has left the building because Elvis needs boats. Intel down 1% today after getting cut to underperformed from market performer at Raymond James. It's pretty well known, or it's pretty dialed into the markets at this point in time, that Intel's not going to have the greatest quarter and the greatest holiday season because of a limited number of chips. Clorox hired day after getting upgraded to buy from Hold. CenturyLink. Oh, boy, that company is interesting. 
Um, why is it interesting? Because there's that, not that many mobile phone players or telecom players. And in the past, they've kind of bought themselves. Do you remember when AT&T had Lucent? AT&T had local service, phone service, long-distance phone service, and they had a lot of equipment. And we, in our wisdom, decided to break them up. So we broke them up into seven baby bells, and they all kind of started acquiring each other over time again and got back together. Let's get the band back together for one more weekend. Oh, speaking of which, my ex, one of my ex-bosses in radio, not a very nice man, when it was time to let me go, uh, security shows up. <laughs> Big dude, like an MMA fighter, shows up and stands behind me and is like, back your stuff. I'm like, I'm not going to snap or anything. It's, trust me, this isn't, my, this isn't the way I live. You're not taking food off my table. And uh, anyway, he's, you know, he ultimately lost his job, and I'm still doing this. And I find that entertaining, to say the least. But he uh, <laughs> kind of drifted back. He drifted back to the Sacramento area because, let's just face it, he couldn't cut it here. So that's out there. And uh, he put up a GoFundMe page. He wanted to come up with an album. And he wanted all of his old coworkers who he still knew and had an email address and stuff to, to fund him putting together an album, a studio <laughs> album. And guess what? It didn't get enough people. He didn't make his goal. Lack of funding. Rejection. And I, I, I'm not saying that to like create bad karma for me. It's, just, it's an interesting story, I think, when you get asked to leave and security shows up and you're like, I'm, do, do I look like that type? Um, Brett Kavanaugh, belligerent when drunk, says ex-roommate. Like, is that a headline? I mean... Other than Brett Kavanaugh, for anyone else in America, belligerent when drunk. Ladies and gentlemen, breaking news. Alcohol causes extreme mood disorders. So, yeah. But I'm not getting into that. It's too political right now. So, um, what else is out there today? Michael Coors has agreed to buy Versace, changing its name to Capri Holdings. I don't know about that. You know what I'm saying? So tonight we get to learn, you know, did Nike really benefit as much as people thought they benefited from the whole Kaepernick ad? Speed of ads, totally. Uh, they've got a fresh new ad out there right now. Just when you, you stop looking, that stock roars. It does great. And you're like, I'm not going to look at it anymore. It just seems to always go down. So they announced their first major national marketing campaign under the leadership of the new CEO. Campaign called For Real. For real? For sure. For, yeah, for real. For real? For real. So when right? the world feels... Oh, when so much of the world feels artificial, it's nice to get back to real. For real? Yeah, it's... Okay. Yeah. Wall Street doesn't really like ad campaigns as much as we want, like, sales. <laughs> just, just saying. So, keep it up. Try not to poison people with salmonella and other issues, and uh, hopefully they'll come back. So, but for real, it's not the ad campaign that I would have gone with. Maybe I would have had like Colin Kaepernick and saying, "Just eat it." So beef, bean, and beef, bean, and cheese burrito, no beans. So you just want beef and cheese? Yes. Okay, I could do that. <laughs> I'm right. Oh, the stories I could tell.
Let's see what are the other big ones out there. Sirius XM has a deal to buy Pandora. It's kind of a win for legacy media. It's being interpreted that way. Several years ago, it was Pandora and the threat was the threat to the ultimately music industry, and that started creating you know subscription models. So uh, we'll pay attention to this. It's a relevant point today as Comcast is bulking up to battle Netflix. You know, it turns out the costly physical infrastructure and traditional linear programming don't always do media companies. It's worthy of note. So, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, for real. We can talk about the markets. We can talk about investing. We'll see if I can't dig up an investment idea or two before the end of the show. I'm Rob Black. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. One area that you could take a look at if you believe the Fed's going to continue to raise interest rates because the economy is doing well. When the economy does well, it tends to create inflation. And one way to fight inflation is what the Federal Reserve is trying to do is raise interest rates. When that tends to happen, gold does well. I'm not making the official recommendation. I'm just telling you there's an idea. Sold worker by the regular action when he talks mention. That's gold, Jerry. Gold. President Trump is speaking today at the UN. Facebook's down after the co-founders of Instagram resigned at the same day. Essentially the same letter, right? So that's out there. The gig economy pays just $828 a month. Driving for Uber and Lyft is no exception for a real job. The number of people participating in the so-called gig economy has increased significantly in the last five years. The increase was largely spurred by growing numbers of people driving for services such as Uber and Lyft. But most of the people are making, but very few people are making significant money. Most people only participate intermittently, and average monthly earnings have plunged. Some people got a little ahead of the curve in saying this was all the future of work. It's not all that clear that people are leaving their traditional jobs to do driving for other people. So transportation services dominate the gig economy. And... uh, Portions, uh, I, I would just, I would be cautious quitting your job thinking you're going to drive for Uber and make big bucks. The average Uber driver makes $688 in 2013, but was down from 1006 in 2015. So it goes, uh, uh, it's less than $10,000 a year. Is that fair to say? In monthly income? So that's not going to pay a lot of bills for most people. The real money is in other areas, in my opinion. Interesting article on um, the Silicon Valley that was written uh, who was it written by? Uh, Tonza Loudenbach. She talked about the Silicon Valley hometown of Mark Zuckerberg and Tim Cook is relying on millionaires to keep the economy booming, and it signals a huge problem. There's a lot of truth to what's being stated right there. You don't have to think too much about it but i think palo alto we should just name it the capital of northern california and let la be the capital of southern california i know it's not a genius idea but it's there so the 94301 
eight six seven five. Like, do you remember like when we knew phone numbers? Well, think about this one. Zip codes nine four three zero one. It's home to Mark Zuckerberg, the zip code, Tim Cook, and Larry Page, and many, many, many millionaire and billionaire executives. Palo Alto's affluence runs deep. Uh, when I first got to the Bay Area, I wanted to see Palo Alto. I wanted to see what it was all about 20 years ago. Uh, the residents of Palo Alto and their two zip codes pay more than $1.5 billion a year in personal income tax to the state of California. And ultimately, there's an article in the Los Angeles Times where it's basically saying something along the lines of it ends badly for all of California if the Bay Area... If something bad happens to Facebook stock, Apple stock, uh, Google stock, LinkedIn stock, when something bad happens, I know LinkedIn's not a stock anymore, but uh, when something bad happens, it's, it's very, very, very problematic for California because we're a state that gives so much in services to other people. Median household income in Palo Alto is $137,000 more than the double that's more than double the United States median. And yet, anyone who's making $137,000 in Palo Alto consider themselves middle class because that income's not going to get into a home. There's people in Palo Alto who inherited their mommy and daddy's home. There's not a lot of fresh buyers unless you work at Google, Amazon, Apple, FaceTime, Facebook, FaceTime. <laughs> I'm a little under the weather, did I tell you that? Clammy today. So there's, there's also a big sense of inadequacy. There's a lot of depression because it's the home of the uber-rich. You know, the, the, the home of the uber-rich are the stewards of the town's booming economy. So Arnold Schwarzenegger's budget director, a guy named Michael Gnest, he said, we are very dependent on millionaires because 70% of California's revenue is derived from personal income tax nearly six-fold increase since the early 1950s. A hit to Facebook's or Google's or Tesla stock would be a hit to many. And it makes you wonder, because I just talked to someone less than a day ago, and you know, she bold-faced told me, I said, look at this listing. It's a piece of garbage. It's, one, it's a 1,400-square-foot house in San Mateo going for $1.4 million. It's $1,000 a square foot. So... Now, if someone buys it, they're taking the tax basis of someone very low and replace it with someone very high. Usually, that's how it works in California. Those tax dollars in property tax and income tax fund government programs in the less affluent areas. So I live in a town that I call Palo Alto North. Actually, I call it Shallow Alto North. That it's going to get crushed when the economy gets crushed. If the economy gets crushed. If the economy gets crushed. If some butts were candy and nuts, a water party we'd have. Because tax dollars fund government programs in less affluent areas. Uh, when you sign up for public school in Palo Alto North, they, they, they don't beg. They say, we have a suggested donation. $3,000 to $5,000. It's pretty crazy. You're like, isn't this a public school? Yeah. So now how about the people that can't afford that, that are just barely making ends meet, and they get the email from you know the school's director? We have a suggested donation of three to $5,000. Um, unacceptable per kid. Palo Alto's main drag is dotted with obvious signs of a booming economy. Teslas are so ubiquitous in Palo Alto that they call them the Palo Alto Prius. 
if you walk around Palo Alto, you'll see little robots delivering foods. It's got a very small town feel to it. But the whole tech business is booming, but also the real estate business is booming. One acre of dirt in Palo Alto recently sold for $15 million. An 897-square-foot bungalow is sold for $2.5 million. We're so dependent on high stock prices. Could this possibly end badly? Question mark. I'm Rob Black. Never make assumptions is what I'm trying to get you to. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Success or failure starts at the top. And Facebook is seeing an exodus of people out of the company. WhatsApp co-founder Brian Acton left in September 2017. WhatsApp co-founder John Coombe left in April 2018. Head of policy, public policy, Elliot Schreich, left in June 2018. Alex Stamos, the chief security officer, left in August 2018. Now the Instagram co-founders, Kevin Seistrom and Mike Krieger, are gone. And whether it's a football team or a stock, success or failure starts at the top. Speaking of which, success or failure starting at the top, I'm top of the morning to the one, the only, Patrick O'Hare. Super excited to talk to you. I'm clammy. I'm under the weather. And I am still wanted to talk to you today. I was like, I can't cancel on him. I can't quit you. So how are you, Mr. O'Hare? <laughs> Thank you, Rob. I'm doing fine. Thanks. I don't know. Is this the time to tell you that I can't do next week's segment? <laughs> you told me in an email. I already know. And uh, I'm totally well, good because I've that always I don't got replays. To you. <laughs> so. You're the best. Um, so success or failure starts at the top. Um, President Trump speaking today. The head of the United States is talking to the U.N. Um, should we expect a market mover out of him today or not so much? You know, I think he's, he's becoming rather predictable for this market, you know, in that uh, he'll probably say something that's quite blustery, um, sounds tough-minded, uh, and creates some uncertainty, you know, that you would think would not sit well with the market. Um, so I don't know if it will really move things like uh, like it might have, you know, a year ago. Um, so, uh, it, you know, it's just been his pattern, and, and I think that the market has, has started to figure out, uh, you know, his leadership style and, you know, um, most likely won't be as responsive as it has in the past. I'm just pulling some notes from your page one column that you do at briefing.com. Um, so, Trump, we're getting used to the bluster, so that's good. Um, how about China? Because the trade tension feels like she loves me, she loves me not. She loves me, she loves me not. And today it seems a little more tense. And the market's digesting that, too, as well, it looks like. Well, it is. And, um, you know, last Friday in the big picture column that I updated, I did an update to our market view. Uh, and, you know, one of the conclusions in that is that, you know, these trade matters do matter, but they aren't mattering to the market because they're not showing up yet in any sweeping fashion in the data or or in the earnings guidance. And I think this market has kind of learned through the years that um, trying to reposition frequently around potential worst case scenarios, uh, you know, hasn't hasn't necessarily worked. Um, you know, it's always there's always been a positive resolution, and that understanding is one of the factors that I think leaves this market feeling somewhat complacent in the idea that uh, the trade issue with China will resolve itself in a very you know favorable manner uh, down the road. It's, 
So, um, but, you know, there is some potential for upset if you start hearing more companies lowering guidance because of the effects of the tariffs uh, and or if you start seeing uh, the, the strong rate of, uh, of growth, uh, economic growth in the U.S. Uh, slow across a number of metrics, you know, then I think the market becomes more attentive to what's going on with trade. But as of right now, it's just you know, taking things as it sees them. And so far within the data, it's not seen any real material impact from these trade actions. Good stuff. Now, I think it was Friday, Walmart came out and said that they think there's going to be an impact and that the guidance should be lowered. Just a couple other companies did too. And for me, it became a little bit more real when Walmart says we're going to cut guidance because they service, they do a lot of, they do a lot of business and do a lot of business. And for them to say, they're going to pass it on to the customers. That would be inflationary, and inflation's the boogeyman, so to speak. Um, speaking of inflation and the boogeyman, the Federal Reserve. Um, how many more times do you think interest rates get kicked up in the next two to two to six months? What's uh, or two to uh, what am I trying to say? Two quarters. Uh, say I'm a little under the weather. Year and a half over the next year and a right. half. Um, yeah, right. What's the official word at briefing? Well, we're certainly, you know, expecting there to be two two more hikes this year, including the one that we'll get tomorrow. Uh, and uh, you know, the the Fed uh, looks like it's set to go at least two more times in 2019. Um, but uh, you know, it's a data dependent Fed, and, and you know, Fed Chair Yellen said Yellen has said that. Fed Chairman Bernanke said it. Uh, we're hearing it now from Fed Chairman Powell. Um, and, you know, as of right now, you have a, a reason to think that the Fed is going to maintain this gradual pace of rate hikes because the data continues to, uh, you know, show um, some, some notable improvement as it relates to overall economic activity, but certainly uh, revealing uh, tightness in the labor market that the Federal Reserve pays very close attention to, given that, um, you know, maximum employment is part of its dual mandate, the other part of that mandate being price stability. And, and you do have, you know, academics at the Fed that continue to worry about the Phillips curve uh, and the idea that you're going to see uh, this tight labor market manifest itself in, in much higher uh, rates of, uh, of earnings growth that have been elusive, uh, admittedly, for, for many years now. But uh, that was one of the scare factors in the August employment report is when you saw average hourly earnings uh, increase to 2.9% year over year, which was the highest in, in uh, in almost 10 years. And and, uh, and anecdotally, you're hearing, you know, a number of companies suggest that they're having difficulty finding skilled labor, uh, and uh, which are also uh, paying higher wages these days. And so, so there's the potential for some bleed through into the general inflation figures that could prompt a more aggressive Federal Reserve. And I do think that when you pair that with the tariff issues and the potential for higher inflation resulting from that, uh, you are starting to see a little bit of nervousness pick up in the Treasury market, uh, particularly at the back end of the yield curve, where you've seen rates now pop above 3% and um, eclipsing 3.11% today. I think I saw a news story recently, and you just brought up, um, you know, uh, companies are trouble having trouble finding skilled workers. I, I think I saw Macy's say the same thing, and is that going to be a problem of if it's low-end retail jobs and you know jobs like at McDonald's where people don't necessarily want them, and if we're having problems with skilled labor, are we? I guess we're at full employment on a lot of levels. Is that going to become a problem? Do you think, or is that a good problem to have? Well, it's you know it's a it is 
somewhat of a good problem, you know, from from an economic standpoint, because if these companies are having the difficulty finding skilled labor, then one of the uh, the, the the trade-offs, if you will, to maintain the skilled labor that you have is to pay higher wages. And uh, that hopefully would then translate into stronger levels of consumer spending activity. Um, so the question is, do these companies end up raising their own prices to help offset that you know, profit margin impact, or do they decide to, to eat it in a way that they, they see some margin compression, which then ultimately lowers the ultimate earnings power, and then you have the stock market start to contemplate what it means for valuations and, and how much for every dollar of earnings growth is, that the, the market's going to be willing to pay for. So you could have a good economic scenario play out, but not necessarily the best scenario play out for the stock market, which would be concerned about uh, uh, wage-based inflation pressures leading to higher interest rates and potentially multiple compression as a result. I could listen to you talk for a while. <laughs> it's, it's damn entertaining when you talk multiple compression. Stuff I don't like <laughs> talking about. Um, oil prices have kind of become bullish recently. Uh, everyone always asks me, you know, what, what, where would you invest right now? Where would you invest? I go, well, Facebook looks kind of cheap. They're well off their highs. You know, maybe you're getting a bad news discount on it, but maybe some good news for the oil sector. Well, you know, oil is, is kind of one of those frenetic instruments, right? Uh, it really bounces around with the headlines. And, uh, you know, coming off the weekend meeting between OPEC and non-OPEC producers in Algiers uh, and their decision not to increase uh, output at this point in time, that's helped, you know, lead to a recent pop in oil prices. But, you know, alongside that, you had OPEC coming out discussing how uh, the outlook for 2019 shows that supply is going to exceed demand uh, by a decent margin, and so you would think that would weigh on prices, but you haven't seen that, you know, happen. You've seen just, you know, the the most uh, recent headline about them not raising output, leading to higher prices. So, I think the, the thing to watch, though, um, with oil prices is, are the, ener- you know, the actual stocks, the energy stocks themselves, right? Because there has been a prolonged period of underinvestment as a consequence of these low oil prices. And by extension, there's been uh, a long period of underinvestment within the sector itself. So, uh, so it will be key to watch where oil prices go because that will dictate higher levels of, uh, potentially higher levels of capital investment that should bode well for some of those oil service and oil drilling companies, which have, you know, um, uh, have lagged through the years and, uh, and that could lead to a better performance um, for the overall energy sector. Good stuff. Stocks are rebounding despite rising interest rates, which is, I guess, we're going to take as a positive. It's, the economy is doing well. Ten-year yield has hit its highest level since May. Uh, we've seen five or six weeks in a row of mortgage rates moving higher. Do you think the higher mortgage rates will derail the housing numbers? Or I know it's local, 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 and every market's different. But I, I think there's a general consensus that people want to know, will higher interest rates kill the the, the real estate run that we've had. Right. Well, you are right, Rob. It is very a local uh, issue, but you know we're already seeing some signs uh, within the housing market that you're seeing a slowdown. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's necessarily going to derail it. Um, you're seeing a moderation in prices now uh, because really, you know, prices have outrun income growth. And so, I think to answer that question is that if you do get higher rates of income growth 
which we presumably should be seeing given the tightness of the labor market, you know, maybe after this little adjustment period here, you, you start to see things pick up again as there's been a moderation mm-hmm. in prices met with higher income that enables potential homeowners to pick up the, the home that they couldn't acquire, you know, six months, a year ago, um, depend, assuming, you know, mortgage rates don't go through the roof here. But um, but that's going to be the key ingredient, I think, is what happens with income Got growth it. to help determine pace of housing in the U.S. Got to wrap this up. Sorry, um, I have a hard clock. Um, Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com. Awesome work. Um, Check him out at briefing.com. A nice, reliable source of information. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Does this sum you up? Just a young gun with a quick fuse. I was uptight. I wanted to let loose. If that sums you up, please go get help. You're about to snap. You're about to become an active shooter. Whoa. Not a yes, sir. Not a follower. Fit the box. Fit the mold. Have a seat in the foyer. Take a number. If that sounds like your life, please go get help. You need help. So little Imagine Dragons. Dunda. Dunda. Trippy video. You will never, ever, ever have a career in singing. Uh, now that California has made plants that grow on the ground legal to ingest. All right, all right, all right. Matthew McConaughey will come to your house for $60,000, smoke weed with you, play the bongos shirtless, and you can watch the Magic Dragon videos together. That's not how any of this works. That's a big perk, huh? Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. Yeah. They used to say that living within X amount of miles of Whole Foods would boost your real estate value. I got an email from Amazon yesterday saying that they'll now deliver from Whole Foods to my home. I'm like, that's the best day of my life. No, it's not the best day of my life. I find Silicon Valley to be silly. We just keep inventing stuff that we don't really need. So I know you're going, how about the 95-year-old woman who wants fresh eggs? You can't, you don't want to drive. And I'm like, yeah, I guess you got a point there. That's not how it works. Yeah, what's, that, what's that a drop from? Geico. Geico. Okay. Um, that's not how it works is a drop from Geico. How are you, Tony? I'm well. How about you? I'm okay at best. Um, I could use a day off. It was a long, long day yesterday with the seminar. True enough. Yep. Yeah, it was a good seminar. Yeah. It's always interesting watching you work versus watching me work because I'm, you know, uh, I get big spurts, like six straight hours of emails or six straight hours of media. And like your day, it's all emails coming in, lenders asking this, you know, clients a, not signing this. It's a pretty big mix of Do I lock now do. or do I lock in the middle of the afternoon? Uh, you got a lot going on, to say the least. So anyway, um, he's doing my second home loan right now. So Rob Black is buying a second home, a getaway. Um, maybe it's a home. You know, <laughs> one never knows. Life Certainly a home. We know that. Yeah. Wow. And you did, you did the right amount of research. And I think that going back to the whole topic of, you know, what does it take to buy a second home? I, I think you have to do the research. You can't just go, I want to get a house in Tahoe because it's Tahoe. Um, you have to do stuff there. You have to use it. You have to, it's got to be part of your lifestyle. And you also have to start thinking, you know, if you have kids that, I might keep this only five years because my kids may not be using it in five years or six years. And I might then turn that into a different type of second home. So the more things change, the more things change, in my opinion. 
Um, I used to like uh, a vacation in Playa del Carmen. And then there was a period of time where, you know, it shifted to Hawaii. And I was like, would I ever want to buy a house in Hawaii and retire here? Like, I see people, for me, no. I see old people with cancer when I think about Hawaii in my head. Old people told, you got cancer, you've got six months to live. They're like, screw it, I'm going to go buy a house in Hawaii and sit on the beach for the last six months of my life. I, I don't have that diagnosis yet. <laughs> Maybe I guess when it happens, I'll do that. But who would want to fly back and forth to a, a getaway home in Hawaii? Like, I get it. Maybe if you have that kind of money where you're going to see it twice a year and you're going to bring extended family and try to impress people, maybe a 25-year-old uh, modeling agent. As long as you can figure out how the taxes all work, uh, a lot of people buy them for investment, okay. um, and they rent it out. They do a vacation type of property. Um, I, Which is how many how many people that own a property in Tahoe that you know use it only as a second home? Meaning most? Mo, mo, no, meaning where they don't rent it out at most. All. Okay, <clears throat> that's that's people don't like fine. That that would we, be a great intention. It's your home. Uh, you get to customize it the way you don't have people tramping around and right. and you know using it over and over and over and over like a hotel. The but. conventional wisdom is that everyone rents out their home. And what I found from doing research in Tahoe, very few people rent out their home um, because they don't want people dinging their walls, having sex in their beds, um, walking through the house with snow boots on kind of thing. So from what I've found is that people go, I'd rather not have that. On occasion, you know, you could see the people who are like kind of overbought and they're like, I have to rent it out. Otherwise, the cash flow is not going to add up and I could lose everything. So there's certainly an angle there as an investment. Let's say you are the type of pe- people that go on vacation quite often and you want to buy an investment property. Um, I, I found it just shocking how uh, expensive it is to use like a professional rental or vacation management company, uh, but they do a good job and they, they can, they can give you all the numbers and say, if you put this much money down, you get this loan, this is your payment and you rent it out these prime days of the year and you use it the other times. And maybe you take one of those prime days, you're going to make this much money and you factor in, okay, I've just cut down my vacation costs by this much by owning this house. And maybe I make a little bit of money. My brother owns three vacation properties and every vacation he goes to those, one of those properties. And, uh, it, it makes sense for somebody like him. Like, I'm glad he did that because he has no other money. He has to go there on vacation. Um, so it depends on how you have to really look at it. Can you buy it without renting it out? Do you have to rent it out? Um, and as far as lending is concerned, if you're buying it as a second home, it's not a rental or you buy it as a rental. And then on your, you know, you use it as a second home slash vacation home. There's, we can be creative on that end. Whoa. Mind blown. Well, so. yeah. just numbers. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's doing my mortgage right now. He will tell you little secrets about me, but uh-huh. nothing nothing too secretive. I have a long list. I'm sure you've you've actually been in jail with me. So <laughs> you've, you've actually committed the crime that I'd served time for. Anyhow, we're breaking out of the show. We're done. We're finished. We're over. You can find Tony at BayAreaLoanSource.com. You can find me at RobBlackShow.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.